We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Aikman is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, close to the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! Brian Burns to the house! This one is picked again. Intercepted by Boston. Bridgewater, throw into the end zone, touchdown! Samuel still on his feet, inside the five, to the end zone, touchdown! What a play! And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. He pounded on three. One, two, three. He pounded. All right, Panthers fans, welcome back to another edition of the Roar Podcast. Exclusively on the Blue Wire Network, hey, it's John Ellis. We are joined by our good friend Doug Farrar from the Touchdown Wire USA Today. You can find him at... NFL underscore Doug Farrar or touchdownwire.usatoday.com. And we wanted Doug on here to talk about Scott Fitterer. Doug is, of course, a Seattle native, understands the culture there in that building and a wide range of things we want to pick his brain on. Doug, how are you, sir? Good. Uh, how are you, man? Couldn't be better, my friends. Uh, fascinating time down in here in Carolina, as you well know. Let's just focus in on, on why I had you here, first of all, and the fact that I like your work and, and love interacting on Twitter. Scott Fitterer, and, and a 20-year journey with the Seattle Seahawks. I, I know you know this franchise well. Uh, I, I was stunned to, to get to know his story a little bit, to see he went all the way back to the Mike Holmgren era. So yep. he's worked with some names. Your general bio, I guess, of what you understand about Scott's role in that building and what he might bring to Carolina, given his experience. Yeah, well, I think the first thing you have to look at is, and you know this, when there's a, when there's a new regime that comes in, yeah. A lot of scouts, I mean, a lot of times the entire scouting staff will just be cast to the wind and boom, out they go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fitterer 
went through the Mike Holmgren era. He went through the uh, unfortunate <laughs> Jim Mora and Tim Ruskell era. And he went through Pete Carroll and John Schneider. That's, that's three completely, you know, different yeah. arcs. And the fact that the Seahawks kept him, I mean, I know because 2010 was the first year I like had a credential for the Seahawks. Um, And I know that, I mean, Pete and John, when they got together, Pete Carroll and John Schneider in 2010, you may remember this, they had like 300 different personnel uh, moves. They were just throwing everything against the wall and seeing what would stick. I remember. Um, You know, Pete had his own scouting guys. John Schneider obviously had his own scouting guys because John is like the biggest scouting nerd I've ever met in my life. And the fact that Fitterer made 20 years through three entirely different organizations speaks well to him as not only a personnel executive, but we don't talk about this enough. You can sit there and go, hey, this guy has good ankle flexion and blah, blah, blah. But how do you get along with people? Right. And, and how do you advance in an organization and take on additional responsibilities as Scott did? And, you know, again, through three different organizations and make that work. So, I, you know, for Panthers fans, the fact that he's been with that organization through, again, three completely different regimes speaks very well for him. Not only is a scouting you know, and primarily a college scouting guy, which, you know, the Panthers are kind of rebuilding and they've got, you know, two guys in their first years out of the NCAA. Yeah. So I think that's a good fit, but, you know, just as a person who knows how to get along with people and sort of hold things together, um, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a really good fit. And to that point, you know, you mentioned some of the roster moves that Pete and John had made when they came there. A lot has been made about Matt Rule maybe not succeeding here because the college coaching thing doesn't work. The process is the culture. What What is it about Seattle? We hear about it all the time. You know, it, it, it feels like a college environment almost. What What is it about the Seahawks process and culture that it makes them somewhat unique? And do you feel like that's something Scott will try to translate with a college coach here in Carolina in his new role with the Panthers? Well, the situation in Seattle became different when Pete came up because Pete had been offered other NFL jobs before. And he always asked two questions. Do I have autonomy and do I have control? Will there be no one else basically – am I the top guy on the flow chart? And all the other NFL teams said no. Seattle said yes. They had been sort of messing around with the idea of, and people may, not, may or may not remember this, they were messing around with the idea of making Tony Dungy their head coach and GM. And then they got a search firm together. Um, they hired Pete first, and then someone brought John Schneider to Pete's attention, and those two met, and they just clicked. Mm-hmm. And they've always clicked. And they, you know, that that's – that's about as good a marriage between coaching and personnel as you can get at the top. Yeah. But the, the Seahawks situation is, I don't, I don't want to say entirely unique because obviously New England is the same way, but it's, it's relatively unique in that the head coach is the shot caller for everything. He, if Pete wants the, you know, the, the lawn at practice to be at one and a quarter inches instead of one inch, well, he's the guy who makes that call. And yeah. it's, it's, it's basically everything he wants to control he controls and he's also smart enough to say i mean you know put the personnel stuff in john's hands for the most part um they've had a lot of able lieutenant scott McLuhan, who i want to talk about a bit when it comes to the seahawks scouting process sure scott was there from 2010 to 2013 in my mind by far the best personnel guy in of his era mm-hmm. um 
you look at what the Seahawks have built, I mean, John had all his years with the Packers, so he's a Wisconsin scouting guy. Russell Wilson was sort of his baby. But other than that, most of the guys either came from Scott McLuhan or, and I know we want to talk about the advantages Matt Rule and Phil Snow may have. A lot of the guys came from, I know Richard Sherman specifically, was a guy that Pete had recruited out of high school. So at the same time Scott McLuhan was working his magic, Pete had the advantage and, and you know, I don't want to say that John lucked into Russell Wilson. They, you know, but they drafted him in the third round. It's like the Patriots lucking into Tom Brady. You know, if you knew who he was, you wouldn't have waited until 75 or 199. Yeah. Um, but in this case, um, you know, Fitterer specifically, it was kind of Trent Kirsten on the pro scouting side and, and Fitterer on the college scouting side. Mm-hmm. Um, after Scott left and, and both of those guys kind of ascended through the ranks. So I, I think when it comes to, you know, just circling it all back to how does this work, you know, with, with, with Matt Rule and Phil Snow, uh, I, I think you have in all sorts of different dimensions, three guys with a whole lot of college scouting experience and recent college scouting experience. Now, if you're the Chiefs, maybe that's not as important. Maybe you're a couple of free agents away from, you know, just demolishing everybody. Right. Um, I think in the Panthers' case, you know, it's no secret. They're, they're kind of – they brought these guys in, and they want to go from, from the bottom up and, and kind of rebuild everything. So, in that regard, with Fitterer, they got the right guy. After year one here, Matt Rule, 5-11, and 11, obviously a very competitive team, came very close in a lot of games. Phil Snow, I think, you, you underscored this uh, as, as well as I and others about some of the things he did defensively to throw Aaron Rodgers off his game. So I, I think there was... He, Aaron Rodgers said of Phil Snow's defense that it looks strange. It looks strange. That's what you want to hear, right? <laughs> think about that. That's, yeah. that's pretty amazing. I, yeah, I, so, and I, we're going to talk about Joe Brady. Well, Joe Brady was just at LSU, so he's another guy who... So they've really got four guys in that room when it comes time to put the draft together. Um, Fitterer will obviously – he'll have his, whoever his director of college scouting is, and, and right. that guy will control the scouts and, and sort of put everything together from a report sense. But, you know, when we go back to – and Dan Quinn, who was Pete's defensive coordinator early in that, you know, the, the LOB era when they were really at their best. Yeah. Uh, Dan Quinn had that year at Florida where he came back. And so the, the ability to, you know, over the next two to four years in the draft say, Hey, I got the, I, I was looking at that guy in high school and I think he could be really good in our system. I think that's a big advantage. If I was, I will say, I think it's a big advantage as long as they communicate uh, all four of those guys communicate together and there's a clear understanding of kind of who does what. Right. Um, it can also be a disaster with too many cooks. In <laughs> Seattle's case, it wasn't. It was, you know, everyone had a clear understanding of who does what. And I think part of that, a big part of that was everyone understood who Don Corleone was. Everyone, under, you know, Pete's the godfather, and that's yeah. it. Well, I, I think that's what we're to a large degree trying to figure out here in Carolina is who, who Don Corleone is. I get the feeling that from a football perspective, I'm thinking it's Matt Rule. I really do. You don't, pay, you don't pay a guy that much money not to have some type of control. And I think the fact that he was in the process of uh, hiring the GM here, uh, and it, it timed out that way, obviously, for a number of reasons. 
But I think that gives him a lot of influence moving forward, Doug. Yeah, the other thing I'll say about the Seattle structure, uh, the late Paul Allen was the owner for a long time. Now it's his sister, Jody Patton, who's in charge of that side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Seattle's ownership group knows nothing about football. And the good thing is Seattle's ownership group has never endeavored to try and make football decisions. Isn't that great? Nothing about football. Isn't that a um, lovely thing? I, I don't know what Tepper's history is with that. But, you know, one thing you obviously want is you don't want uh, Dan Snyder saying, hey, let's draft Wayne Haskins because I think he's cool. <laughs> right. Well, he's got a bunch of, and you know, our friend Ron is kind of <laughs> dealing with the after effects of that now. I, I think yes, absolutely. I think I think Dave will stay out of the important stuff. He he mentioned being a tiebreaker in some of these decisions, but I think that was in the context of like character issues with a player. But I will say this: Jordan Rodriguez, Joe Person, I, both of whom you know very well, yep. wrote a piece last year about Tepper sort of being the one to push Ron to a 34 gap control defense that, that ended up not looking so great. I, and it, it took Keekley right out of his game in what was his last year because he's getting swallowed up in these gaps by guards and full – it was just – it was hard to watch because it, it, I thought it took their best players out of the game. But nonetheless – by the way, nobody runs a 3-4 base anymore. No, I mean, actually, like, like 1976 Oilers highlights. <laughs> come on. Well, I mean, I, the base thing is not so important, as you know, these days. It's this sub stuff, and I think they ran a lot of that NASCAR package that the Giants used to run, and it's very yeah. successful. And I think that was part of the concept, getting more speed on the field. But when they had to go to base, the schedule set up very poorly for that because they had to play Kyle Shanahan. They had to play Matt LaFleur. They were in a stretch of games where it was power football, and they just they lost it. Bill Callahan came in, interim head coach, and ran for 250 yards. That's where Ron got fired. So uh, those are the things that I look at Tepper and saying, if he has an influence in changing that type of stuff to me I look back and I say just speculating Ron we'll give you one more year here but I want to do this so let's try this out if it doesn't work we'll all go our separate ways that's kind of how I viewed it to uh, to your point I think it's really important like the, the Allens staying out of the football stuff knowing what you don't know steering clear of that I think that's going to be key so I think Matt obviously with a good college mindset uh, working with Scott who has a lot of pro experience I think that'll be a good mesh hey let's let's talk some wacky talk a little bit here I let's dream a little bit Deshaun Watson more than likely getting traded I don't think there's any coming back to the I think (laughs) if if the Texans hire Eric Bieniemy, I think he'll stay put you think so you think they're going to hire Bieniemy? do you think Bieniemy is actually getting a serious interview here do you think this is just (laughs) Some some posturing. To, I to, think. To well, uh, first of all, I think it's disgusting that the enemy has to go through this again. Oh, it's uh, horrible. I think most of it is just lip service. I, you know, the, the stuff that happened at Colorado. Okay, I get it, but right. uh, you know, go Google Ur- Urban Meyer. See where that gets you. Go Google Matt Patricia. I mean, we've but talked about this. See where that gets you. Yeah. Um, and that's hey, a, just quickly, it. that's the thing. I've had some conversations with a couple of reporters who push this narrative. And it's like, look, guys, it's not the fact that we, I don't agree that there's some problems in his past, but this is old news. We, and every time the, the cycle comes around, it's a refresh on it. And it's, it, it just feels very cheap the way they're he continue to blend that problem he had and his come correct on, it looks like, into the play calling side. So if it's not the pass, okay, well, he doesn't call the plays. Well, he kind of does a lot of that. And it seemed that when Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy were, you know, working with Andy Reid, they called a lot of the plays, and now Eric Bieniemy doesn't. 
despite the fact that Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and Travis Kelsey have logged on record multiple times saying, yeah, it's a huge part of it, especially the run game. I just, yeah. Well, you know, some people just have clung on to this narrative, and I'm not even going to mention the names because you know who they are. If the enemy does not go to Houston, I, if I was Eric, you know, I, I, I want a job. But if I were Eric, the enemy, I it would. It sounds like a horrible place to be for Eric. That sounds I would, I would go back to Kansas City for another year, you know, demolish enemy defenses for another year and wait yeah. for a better opportunity. That Texan thing is like two dumpster fires crashing and falling. Oh, it, I've never, I, I don't, can you recall in the last 25 years, a team that just absolutely a franchise that has absolutely fallen apart. It's been, well, the, uh, the one year that Jim Mora was a Seahawks head coach in 2009, he lost the locker room by like the third week. Ouch. Yeah. That's well, that's, uh, but it takes a lot to, you know, to get to this level where you got, you know, Jack used to be doing well. <laughs> back to Deshaun. Right. Uh, we do a whole different podcast on the freaking Texans. <laughs> um, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's he's got a fourteen million dollar cap hit in twenty twenty one. Panthers have I think around nine million in functional cap, so you yeah. can wiggle that. His cap hits go to about forty per year over the next four or five years. I don't have it, and this is the one year that. You know, because of COVID, the salary cap's going to go down. Um, you know, the Panthers, I'm looking at 2022, which is, you know, it's kind of hilarious. You would probably know this better than I would. Yeah, they're going to have $130 million in cap space in 2022, which is, a, of course, a hilarious forecast because we don't know anything that's going to happen. If they wanted to trade for Deshaun Watson, they got the money to do it. The question is... Do they have the draft capital to do it, whereas the Jets and Dolphins obviously do? That seems to hold them back at this point, and that is why I look back at how Miami did their restructure and, and just marvel at what they came out with. And they stayed competitive, and they almost made the playoffs, and now they're sitting pretty again. But I just the way that Carolina went about – in the offseason, it was sort of a tank. You're going to do a half a tank. We called it a baby tank at one point. But they added some pieces. They had to the point that Bridgewater got, uh, you know, $33 million guaranteed, which isn't a fortune, but it's significant. I mean, it's starter money. It's decent starter money. And now Bridgewater, again, unless a team bites on that, the thing I, I would say about Watson is I, I don't see that happening unless Bridgewater's somehow part of that deal because I don't know if you're going to carry a $23 million hit on a backup quarterback next year. I just don't see it. Probably not. Well, that's another thing about that offense is, I mean, I, I know you want to talk about Joe Brady. Um, you know, can you be a head coach? I don't – you know, I, I've talked to a lot of people in the league about the enemy, so I'm, I'm more inclined to speak openly about the fact that I think it's ridiculous he hasn't been given more of a shot. I don't know Joe Brady. I don't, I don't really know people who know Joe Brady. So um, what I'll say is that one thing you need as a head coach is the ability to adapt. And Brady came in, you know, had just guided Joe Burrow to the best college season the quarterbacks ever had. And he thought he'd have Christian McCaffrey, who is not only their best offensive player, but the entire fulcrum of their offense. They only had him for, what, three games? Yeah. It was so, a they had to mess with, you know, the passing concepts and, you know, they run a lot of empty, which really worked, worked for Burrow at LSU too. Uh, they went with more of a power run game with different guys. So, you know, I think that speaks well for Brady as far as his ability to adapt to, again, McCaffrey isn't just your, it's one thing to miss your best player. It's another thing to, to miss the player around which the entire, <laughs> that side of the ball schematically 
he's he's the eye of the hurricane right and when you get that plucked out it's like oh crap what do we do now well and he could you know he could do so many it's not a zeke situation no offense to zeke but he can do so many things for you and in fact we talked joe person and i about uh the other day with curtis samuel potentially heading out and it might not be a bad idea if you're looking at trying to be frugal or at least put your money in other areas to let curtis walk because christian could come back and fill a lot of the voids that that samuel was doing a lot of the, the back I mean, like, especially if where Breeze was in what I think will be his final season, right. um, you know, in the passing game and the ability, in relative inability to drive the ball downfield. Imagine how difficult it would have been for the Saints to get anywhere if they had only had Alvin Kamara for three games. Yeah, right. That's kind of what Joe Brady was dealing with. Yep, no doubt, no doubt. And people, uh... we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Look at the running back position as a uh, as a dark black hole right now. But honestly, there, if you, depending on the back you have and how you utilize, it can make a world of difference. No question. Oh no, no. Every running back is exactly the same, and every running back has exactly the same value. <laughs> that's that's what I keep hearing. That's what I've heard from the analytics people. <laughs> well, I'm. I mean, I worked with football outsiders for ten years. I'm one of the analytics people, and I think it's well, stupid. So there you go. I, I, a, certain, <laughs> certain, a certain contingent that are just hell bent to make these people broke. <laughs> that's what I'll say. Pretty you're much. very fair. You're very fair, and you're not snarky. I like that. Well, I'm snarky, but not, I like to think I'm fair in my snarkiness. <laughs> it's a fair kind of snarkiness. It's an I'm plenty snarky. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. What's going on with this upcoming combine situation with the Senior Bowl, things being more virtual, the draft? It's a different preparation season here. Does that have a big impact, do you think, on how these teams will draft? Well, I mean, I, I think the senior bowl becomes huge. Pro days become huge. Um, it's a really weird thing. 
because the combine, it's not just the, the drills, it's the interviews of the players. Yeah. One reason they've had it in Indian, well, they've had it in Indianapolis for a long time for two reasons. Number one, when it was in Arizona, a lot of the GMs and coaches would just, you know, screw around and play golf instead of focusing on what they should have been <laughs> focusing on. No, I'm serious. Yeah, I know. You moved it. I remember. Um, and then the, uh, the IU uh, medical facility is uh, renowned as one of the best in the nation. So yeah. it's, it was, you know, everything right there. It was like the food court. You could do the drills. You could do the player interviews. You could have all the medical stuff. And it was like, bing, 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 you know, one hallway to another. <laughs> so now it, you know but it's like everything else over the last year and hopefully um less so in the next year <laughs> yeah so. um i won't get into that um <laughs> right you just get you, you we go back to the ability to adapt and that's what the nfl is going to have to do um scouting departments so maybe this is more of an even more of an advantage for an organization like the Panthers have now, we've got all those guys who have more recent experience with college players. Maybe that becomes more of an advantage. And maybe losing Fitterer at this point, because he really was more on the college side, maybe that's a hit for the Seahawks. You just don't know. Never know. Your thoughts on uh, the season that Teddy Bridgewater had. And I'll be honest with you, I was very, I think, fair in my analysis. He did not have McCaffrey. The offensive line at times was a mess. But Taylor I, Moton, though, oh, my God. I, I, I can point to, like, three different plays where I swear to God, Taylor Moton killed a guy. Uh, ta- Taylor needs to get paid. That, Taylor that, needs that, to get paid. That's who was, that, who was that number 50 for the Falcons where Moton blocked him, like, 30 yards downfield? I, 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 so that that I so my Twitter. I've got to go find it, Doug, but that was an amazing – got erased. Steamrolled. He's uh, – no doubt their best blocker. But, I, you know, with, with, with Bridgewater, look, here's the thing. I'll give you my take real quick. Give me 30 seconds on it, if you will. Bridgewater, to me, was brought in. And, and you know, Mark Schofield, I talked about this on a pod earlier this year. Uh, distribution, anticipation, smart football, playing within structure, not – coloring outside the lines and the, the deep ball don't expect too much of it because it doesn't necessarily go for it. His and deep think, ball was ne- his deep ball wasn't great in college. It wasn't uh, great in college. There was kind of flutter out there. But, but what, um, what, that, what he, who he is. What he what he was brought here to do was to know what Joe Brady's doing and to adapt to that and also be a good anticipation quarterback. And down the stretch now he might have been hurt a little bit. They talked about that. But to me it just it it, it didn't go so well for him. And I, I feel bad because I know that this was a big opportunity for him. However he's still got one more year with a pretty big cap number next year and I don't think it's over for him where do you stand on Teddy moving forward right now well I think the first thing you have to do when you look at Bridgewater is just look at all, all the systems he's worked in you know he worked under the Petrino system which is you know all over the place um, all kinds of crazy stuff going on then he had you know the more conservative thing with Zimmer then he had to plant himself in that Sean Payton offense which is not easy and then he comes to Carolina. So he's been through a lot of different systems, and he's right. been able to pick them up very well. Incredibly smart guy. You can drop him in the middle of any system, and he'll figure it out. Um, I, that, that is an incalculable value that isn't really talked about a lot with quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing. You know, is, is Teddy going to win you a Super Bowl? No. Is he going to be dragged kicking and screaming like Rex Grossman to a Super Bowl or Peyton Manning in his final year? No. 
Um, sorry to bring that game up. <laughs> Thanks and, a lot. You know, he's a he's a one A. He's like a one B or a two A. He's better than a backup. If, if you yeah. can get a better starter, you're probably going to want to. Um, you know, the fact that Bridge is in his name is kind of interesting because that's, <laughs> right. you know, it, he's a high bridge guy, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, uh, what I, I I can think of a handful of starting quarterbacks right now. I'd rather, you know, it, whether it was Garoppolo or, or Jared Goff or right. whoever's messing it up in Chicago, um, <laughs> you know, is, is he a top 20 quarterback? Probably. Is he at the Probably. bottom of that 20? Yeah. But, again, there's nothing wrong with that. And what, certainly what, he, there, what he's done there, physically to come back and, and do what he's done in the last couple of years is amazing. Right. Well, was there a high demand for him, a relatively high enough demand for him to go three years with the contract? It's a question a lot of people ask me, and I just don't know. I know New England may have had some interest. Is there anything you can speak to that in terms of Bridgewater's market last offseason? Well, I think he upped his market tremendously. By, and you know how I feel about quarterback wins. But oh, they went 5-0 and in the games he started. Again, his first year in a Sean Payton offense. You can't look at a lot of quarterbacks who can do that. Sure. I mean, Taysom Hill has had 26 years in that offense, and he, kills, he still can't execute it. So. <laughs> he's a linebacker, Doug. <laughs> yes, he is. Well, he he's actually what Bill Polian said about Lamar is true of Taysom Hill. He should be the, 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 the reverse Polian. <laughs> the reverse Polian. I, I agree with you. I think you know, a lot of people, including myself at times, lose fact that the system is very important and, and not knowing it, not being able to pick up on it. I think that probably had a lot to do with why Cam Newton is not here, along with maybe the personality, maybe the shoulder. Uh, I, I really think in deep down, and I, I, you don't have to give an opinion on this, but going back, I don't think Cam and Matt Rule could have existed personality-wise. Coach, just, I just don't think it would have blended. They're just two different people. I remember asking Rule at last year's Combine about – Cam and a lot of people were asking him about it. it wasn't just me. He said, "You know, I'm really excited to have Cam. I want to see what he can do." But I, I think a lot of coaches want their own guy, and there was so much hanging over the Cam story in Carolina. Um, not that it worked out so well for Cam in New England, but it wasn't just his fault; it was everybody's fault. Well, there's nobody to throw to. I mean, it was awful. Um, yeah. Uh. Yeah, I, I would probably agree with that. Uh, but I, it was to me, it was a fascinating experiment. He got a year under his belt with Belichick. I always wanted to kind of see how those two would mesh. Belichick, you know, a Navy guy, wanted to do some of that stuff, and I think he got a chance to get a quarterback who could, you know, ground and pound a little yeah, bit. And it think, was a little fun. You know, they ran a little go-go. There was a little bit, like, really basic read option. Yeah. But I was shocked at how vanilla that run – because I had thought, and I had written about this, like, okay, Belichick as a defensive coordinator for the Giants was – having to go up against Randall Cunningham twice a year in the early 90s. Right. So he's got, you know, multiple decades where he didn't have that kind of quarterback. And, of course, when you have Brady for 20 years, you don't really care about that. No, so, don't. and then in, it was the, the deflate year, Brady was suspended four games. Garoppolo got hurt and got a shoulder injury in the second game. Mm-hmm. Game three, they're playing the Texans, and they have Jacoby Brissett as the third quarterback, and Brissett right. was a rookie. So you just ran read option over and over and beat the Texans 27 to nothing. So I'm thinking to myself, man, here comes Cam Newton. Yeah. Belichick and McDaniels are going to scheme up all this stuff, and they really didn't. 
That was a disappointment for me. And I, I don't think they did a good job. So North Turner did a fantastic job with this, and so did Mike Shula in a lot of ways. Yeah. In terms of blending so many run concepts, misdirect concepts with the passing game, and it complemented so well. And I, I didn't see any of that with McDaniels. I saw a lot of, you know, 21 personnel, straight drop back from under center, you know, just short stick route type stuff. And I think maybe it's the shoulder, maybe it's the system. I mean, it's an EP system, Doug. We've talked about that. He's yeah. He's run variances of that before, but I'm he, yeah, he, one of the reasons I think he was a track and the Patriots Earhart Perkins is different than the, you know, cause everyone's got, right. it's like saying that, uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan West coast is the same as the Andy Reid West coast. It really isn't. Um, but yeah, I thought that would work better than it did. And part of it was he had no one to throw to part of it was, well, he didn't, you know, he didn't see things at times. Yeah. But a lot of it was, and especially for a staff that's been adapt as adaptable, adaptability is going to be the word of this podcast, the theme. <laughs> I was really surprised at how much they didn't do. And I've looked at some tape, like it's like the Houston game, and you saw some games, the Seattle game, where where Newton's shoulder to me doesn't feel like an issue. The foot is obviously fine. Getting back to Teddy and that discussion, yeah. um, the fact that. And not that Deshaun Watson couldn't learn Joe Brady's system, but you've got a guy who came in and learned it last year with basically no training camp, no mini camp, no very little, you know, right. in the way of the usual prep. Well, we may not have any of that this year either. But to, just to counter that, I think there's a there's a chasm of, of difference between what Watson is and what Bridgewater is physically. Well, sure. Um, I, I just think that. I mean, you have to. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. And I don't know how long it would take with Watson to, to learn the system. Well, well, would, you, would you agree that Tom Brady is playing at about, what, 80 90% of what he was at his peak? Oh, sure, yeah. It no took doubt. half a season. It took half a season for Brady and Arian to get on the same page. Absolutely. And I had a lot of questions about that being a good marriage because of all the vertical stuff Bruce does. And I felt he'd hold the ball too long, but they've adapted. And it's been great. Of course, he's got, he's got an all-star cast to throw to who gets separation. That never hurts. But Deshaun Watson is one of the two or three best quarterbacks in the NFL. No one's going to dispute that. But you still have to go into a new system. And you have to learn to execute. And you have to learn what the option routes are all the subtle nuances of the passing game and the run game and how that all works together. You don't know, you know, will you have McCaffrey at full strength? Will you not? There's all sorts of stuff going on. Well, Bridgewater already navigated all that crap. So how many, how many systems has Watson run in the NFL? um, Maybe one or two. It's, 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 you know, O'Brien's for better or worse. Um, (laughs) And a lot of it's, a lot of it's him you know, right. just making stuff happen. Making but, stuff yeah. happen. No, I get your point totally. Uh, and I think that's where Teddy does when he does – he made some really good plays this year. Uh, I just think the, the season got away from him a little bit, and obviously the injury probably – I'll also play. say as long as he has a functional arm, that's why he will get jobs in the NFL. Right. Because he can, as I said, he can jump in the middle of any system and figure it out. No, it's just a real – there are a lot of guys with five times his physical abilities who will never be able to do that. that that's very true. And that, that, that's what I said coming into the season. That my biggest concern, Doug, from looking at the tape, just what happened late in the year, not just the last game of the year, that was sort of a throwaway game, but, but some of the things you would expect him to be at his best at, the things you brought him here for, he was not good at at all. 
the anticipation stuff, the game management, you know, understanding where you are, the fumble at the goal line, not communicating with the coordinator. Those are the type of things. And, you know, Joe Brady's responsible for that too. So is Matt Rule. But again, that, those are the things, not the deep ball. I understand the deep ball wasn't going to be there. I didn't expect it. And to that point, he made a few good deep throws. Not many, but he made a few good ones. More, it's just the things you, you, you were supposed to be uh, advertised as being elite at, you need to do a better job of. And I think, you know, Matt Rule made it a point to say not only that, but coming in the next year, you got to stay healthy because the health is a concern now. Once again, he hadn't played a full season in five years. Well, again, we're talking about health. And I was, uh, okay, take where Breeze is now as opposed to five years ago. And remove Alvin Kamara for all but three games and see how well that works the way that offense is now set up. Now, that's good perspective on Teddy. I'm glad because, honestly, what what we get into here in in Panthers land is – and we try to be – Billy and I try to be very nuanced in how we look at it. We we say, look, here's what he's done well. Here's where he's not making it happen. And I'm I'm glad we got your perspective because I know you grind the tape as much as anybody. Hey, just three names I want to talk about real quick. Uh, Brian Burns, Derek Brown, Jeremy Chin, sort of the young three on this defense for Carolina. And, of course, Phil Snow, what you had talked about, bringing some odd looks to Aaron Rodgers' eyes. Uh, what were your thoughts on some of the young guys for Carolina's defense this year? Burns, I think, you know, I would, we were doing secret superstars, and Mark and I do the podcast every week, and every week I'm like, we don't talk about Brian Burns enough. He's just ridiculous. Um, I think that's been proven out. Derek Brown, um, really, really tremendous. And, it, you know, everyone's run-stopping, run-stopping. Got a ton of pressures. Yeah. Um, that's a guy, and I remember when I watched – when I put together the piece on how the, you know, the Bucks and the Panthers were the two teams that kind of confused Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. And so I'm watching, you know, all the Carolina end zone tape and, and Brown just kept standing out as you would expect. Yeah. Chin was the guy who really surprised me. And that, that real, that's on Phil Snow to, to take that guy and say, okay, this is how we're going to use you. And it really worked well. That that's mm-hmm. just, that's, that's him being a great player. It's also tremendous coaching and talent distribution. It's funny. Billy and I had a pod, uh, I'd say mid-season, where folks were saying, fire Phil Snow. And then, first of all, it's not going to happen year one. So let's have a reality check. But second of all, just give it a little time. Let's see what happens here. And down the stretch, other than that Drew Locke game where they just totally crapped the bed in the secondary – I thought Phil, well, and here's the thing. I thought Phil did a really good job, Doug, of putting guys in good position. He got he got Whitehead out of the lineup, put Carter in there, more energy inside. Uh, Chin was all over the field. You know, he's got to work on his coverage. But man, he made some impact plays that changed games, and that's what you want. Well, to he's do. not a cover guy. Think about that Drew Lock game. What was the game after that? Packers. Packers. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was the pissed off Phil Snow, um, and there you go. Somebody called him Discount Dick LeBeau one time. <laughs> uh, wow. I, I, I'm surprised that there's that much uh, enmity. Oh, no, no. Oh, dude. Listen, chance, guys. Uh, you, uh, talk to Billy about it. It was very real. We had to come on a pod one time and say, guys, give it a few weeks. And lo and behold, they held Dalvin Cook under 60 yards. They scored more points than the offense. They, they ranked better in a lot of categories this year than Joe Brady's offense. So I look at it that way. Hey, look, defensively with what they had to work with, I thought it was outstanding. And I would also fun. say, and I've talked to a lot of people about this, um, if, if you want to have a modern defense, one of the best things you can do is hire, maybe not as your coordinator, but as someone really high up in, in, on that side of the ball, yeah. get a guy who has defended Big 12 offenses. 
as opposed to a guy who's run cover three for the last 40 years. Hello, John Gruden. Um, <laughs> you know, think outside the box and get a guy like that. You know, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I yeah. think, you know, Brandon Steely has that same kind of mindset of pressure tied to coverage. Todd Bowles has it, you know, because he's just he, – that's his mindset. Right. But I think over the next three to five years, I would like to think – because everyone talks about, oh, let's get Lincoln Riley, let's get Matt Rule, let's get the spread guy. Yeah. Um, well, who defends the spread guys? A lot of coaches in the NFL have no idea how to defend the spread guys. So maybe get a few of those guys too. It's great perspective, Doug. Doug Farrar from USA Today, the Touchdown Wire. Uh, Doug, where can we find your work, sir, and anything cooking right now we need to be looking out for? Uh, Mark, Mark Schofield and I are working hard, as usual, on a bunch of All-22 uh, conference championship previews now on Touchdown Wire. Uh, I'll be doing notes tomorrow for our usual Thursday podcast. And, yeah, we're just uh, hammering away. Now, Doug and Mark are two of my favorites in the business, guys. They've been very good to me, very good to us. And, uh, Doug, we appreciate you, man. Continued success, and let's uh, do this more often, man. All right. My pleasure, man. Take care. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. 